Welcome to the Frontline Response to Health and Homelessness podcast series. This series is based upon the articles published in the March 2020 edition of Parity magazine. It gives voice to those with lived experience of homelessness, those working on the front line, and those that support the sector in delivering services to people who are homeless. My name is Dan Fleming, and I'm delighted to introduce our host, John Willis, who leads the inclusive health team for St Vincent's Health Australia, and our guest, Toby Hall, the group CEO of St Vincent's Health Australia. As we're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, both Toby and John will be with us via phone for this episode. John, over to you. Thanks, Dan. Welcome, Toby. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thanks, John. How are you? Oh, pretty good, mate. Look, thanks for making the time to speak to us today. Toby, you've led different organisations. Um, you've overseen the development and delivery of services to homeless people, particularly at your time at Mission Australia and now at SBHA. In, in this edition of Parity Magazine, you've written in the forward in the opinion piece about the wonderful innovative work that's happening around not only SBHA, but also other community agencies that have written articles for this publication. But it seems the problem's getting worse. Why do you reckon that is? I think the problem is getting worse. And I think sadly with what has happened in the economy, it's, it's going to get even worse than we've, uh, I think, possibly ever experienced in Australia, at least uh, probably since the Great Depression. And I think fundamentally, when you look at homelessness, it comes down to three or four issues that need to be understood and need to be responded to, which consistently, I think, our governments and I guess ourselves as a community haven't cared enough to respond to in a structured way. The, the first issue is, is understanding that access to affordable housing, uh, which is pretty simple, is a must if we're planning to avoid homelessness in any of the Western societies that we live in today. Yeah. But, but access to housing in itself is not enough. People also need access to a reliable income and, and also a community that they can connect with. In fact, many people in society who are homeless today are homeless because the streets are the place where they find community. Unless housing comes with an income community, it is likely to fail uh, many individuals who go into housing. So housing on its yeah. own is just not a good enough response. Uh, managing income, I think firstly, a number of people who are homeless actually have come out of employment are able to go back into employment when they have the right services wrapped around them. And there's very good evidence that holistic care and support for people who are homeless, looking at the whole of the range of issues in front of them in terms of their life, can assist some of them back into employment. And that means addressing some of the core issues of why did they become homeless in the first place? And we know that there is significant evidence that a number of people who are homeless uh, are there because of some form of trauma or crisis that has happened in their lives. And if that issue is not dealt with in, as part of a holistic response, then the reality is the presenting issue that caused homelessness in the first place has not gone away, has not been dealt with. Mm. and is going to be a continuing issue for a person. So creating a space in a way that people can deal and understand with the reasons that they became homeless in the first place 
is absolutely vital. And very few people today, and I'll, I'll say today, uh, particularly because our environment has changed, are homeless purely because of economic reasons. Usually it's far more complex than that. And the last thing, which is probably the most devastating issue, is the fact that our governments at a state level are still prepared to take people out of institutions and put them onto the streets. Uh, the justice system, uh, people move from the justice system to very short-term uh, support to the streets. Our hospitals put people back onto the streets. Children in care often are left almost alone when they leave care aged 18. Mm. Women who suffer domestic violence often have nowhere else to turn to. And today we're even seeing a crisis with single older women who have been thrown out of their accommodation because of tenancy laws which uh, uh, allow that to happen. That, that fundamentally has to be addressed before the issue of homelessness can be looked at. So those four key things from my point of view are key to addressing the response to homelessness. And whilst that is known by a huge number of people work in the homeless space, largely speaking, most governments have not been able to get their act together to deliver consistently a scaled up form of response that allows those four issues to be addressed. And until we do that, we will still have homelessness on our streets. Absolutely. That's a compre comprehensive answer, Toby. And look, I, the one thing that jumps out at me is that connectedness, how, how a system, um, the current system of care we have, assists people in reconnecting back into their community and to others. Um, that's, I think, one of, one of the challenges there. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, human connectedness is, is vital to, uh, is vital to our, our, our life and our sustained connection to our community, to our, our world. And very interesting, when you work in the homelessness space, there's a, there's a view sometimes that people do choose to remain homeless. And, and that is very confronting, even for people in the homeless sector to accept that that is the case. Yeah. And, and some people want to maybe kind of skirt around the issue and deny its uh, reality because it's uncomfortable for us to understand, well, why, why would someone want to remain homeless? Mm. And the, the reason some people choose to remain homeless is that it is the only place they have community. And yeah. th there's a... There's also uh, a, a fear, I think, of moving from one community into another. And if you've got a place where somehow, however poor your connections are, you have relationships and friendship, and you know that elsewhere you can't achieve that, if that place is on the streets, then staying on the streets is the safest, best place to be. And you'll, you'll find in talking to people, and particularly, uh, it depends on which state they live in, but particularly Victoria, there's a predominance of uh, low standard, low quality boarding houses that people move into, which are yeah. often quite dangerous and don't provide community. And you'll find uh, homeless people say that it's actually safer for them to live on the streets than some of the boarding houses that are offered to them. And what the streets offer is connection and friendship. Now that connection and friendship can be loose, it can be tenuous and at times it can be very challenging. But for many people, it's the first time in their lives where they've had a group who connects with them, who accepts with, accepts them and, and interacts with them and doesn't judge them. 
And when people find that, the, the question is when they move into housing quite often, they very quickly find that that connection is gone. They mm. lose friendship. They have no connections. They don't have a relationship with people in the local community and, and find it difficult to find that connection. Uh. And there's a loneliness that comes with that. And people sometimes prefer to go back to the community they came from. I remember I, mean, I um, met, uh, many homeless people and I remember one group of uh, of men I met in Sydney uh, I, I sat down and had a talk with them about how life was and then uh, went on my way and saw them two or three weeks later and they, they welcomed me to come and sit down with them and to have a drink with them where they were and to sit down and talk and, and there was an immediate camaraderie there that often you don't see in wider society and, and that is something that people hold on to. That is something that people connect to. And unless we can create community for people alongside their housing, in many cases, uh, there will be people who find it hard to stay in that housing, even though logically it says it's much better to stay in a house. Yeah. A house which is lonely and empty and has no connection is actually a prison cell. And wow. so we have to find a way to ensure that when we provide housing, we also provide community connection. Yeah, fantastic. Community connection, I think, is crucial. And visiting some of those rooming houses in my previous life, I know exactly what you mean. They're not very homely or very safe places often. Just let's move on, Toby, if we might, to this thing, this connection between health and housing. Um, this particular edition of Parity is focused on that nexus about um, how important good health is um, to, to someone being homeless or getting off the street. Can you talk a little bit about this concept about how, how housing can be seen as a health response? Well, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think housing is definitely a, a huge part of a health response. It's firstly a, a layer of housing which relates to physical health. When someone's been in hospital, they've had care in hospital for some physical ailment, and they leave hospital. Most people in society need to go somewhere safe where they can recuperate. Uh, generally speaking, the street is not a safe place to recuperate from illness and the level of infection rates, the level of illness on, on the street can be quite high. And so having a space which allows someone to recover uh, in a comfortable environment is absolutely vital. And so there's a physical need at times when people have been in hospital to have that kind of response. And I think it's very important that hospitals don't uh, discharge people back to the street when they've been cared for in the hospital because the reality is they will just present back into the hospital. Yeah. And so that's one layer of care. The second probably more complex layer of health is actually related to people who are suffering uh, mental health issues or addictions, which then have an impact on their ability to maintain housing. Uh, and in those cases, to deal with the presenting issue from a health point of view, whether it's an addiction or whether it's a mental health issue, stable housing and connection to clinicians is absolutely vital. And one of the things you'll hear from clinicians, and many clinicians are phenomenally generous with people from a homeless group, but some mm. clinicians find it challenging because they've got an appointment with the person who's homeless and they don't turn up to the appointment and uh, they feel their time is wasted as a clinician. And yet the homeless person hasn't 
been able to turn up because they didn't have housing in, in the pre previous few days. They lost uh, their money and couldn't get to the appointment. They didn't have yep. the phone to make a connection. And so you've got this kind of, of course, I want to take part in the treatment. My life is just too complex to even contemplate doing that because I don't have a house. I don't have a place to say I could be anywhere in the city and actually keeping that appointment, that connection is really hard. And so there's then a disconnection from services which need to be ongoing, which then means the illness can spiral and the problems essentially create this vicious cycle of decline. Whereas housing enables a, a virtuous cycle of growth where people have got support to access uh, appointments, got support to access addiction services, got support to access clinical help when they need it. Uh, Mission Australia, there was a really brilliant program that was put in place and um, certainly uh, Sacred Heart Mission in, in Victoria has used very similar models, just profound models which deal with the whole person and yeah. identify what are all the needs from a health point of view, a social point of view, a connection point of view, employment point of view and a housing point of view. And so let's find a way to package all those together because when you're dealing with homelessness, if you fail to deal with the whole person, you'll fail to deal with the whole problem. And that's what we have to be able to do. And in a health environment, we need to understand that. And it's not good enough for us in the health space to say, well, we'll just treat the presenting issue because, yes, you can put a bandage on something, but the person will be back the next day and the bandage needs to be put back on again and again and again. Whereas if you treat the whole person, you can actually heal the whole person. And hopefully the person can then be in a place to actually manage some of the other issues that they've got presenting in their life. Fantastic. So treating a person, not just a, a, a presenting problem. Perfect. So, Toby, what, um, just in light of what you've said then, what's, what's St Vincent's currently proposing or doing at the moment to maybe take that kind of approach to this issue? St Vincent's actually is, is working in a whole array of spaces to respond to this. My, my hope, though, for our health system for St Vincent's is, firstly, we can create an environment where we do deal with the whole of a person who comes to us. Yeah. And I think one of the first responses we can have is actually having housing support and accommodation that people can go into from hospital post-treatment and post-care to allow them to go through an initial phase of recovery. And St Vincent's has got programs like that in place and working, which is excellent. Now, those are not going to be long-term housing solutions for most of those people. So they create a space where people can recover. But St Vincent's, I also think, and any other health provider also needs to engage in saying, how do I help uh, create the response to allow this person to get into longer-term housing? So we need to either directly or in partnership with housing organisations, help people get into the housing system, help them get into accommodation, help them get into a place where they belong. Now, we can do that to short term, I'd hope we can provide uh, support and accommodation ourselves. Secondly, we can help people get into housing. But thirdly, we actually need to create community. And one of the things that St Vincent's has done and uh, has got a great program called Briar Terrace in Melbourne and uh, Fitzroy is to allow a community for people who are homeless where they can have connection to the hospital, have connection to uh, friends who have been homeless as well and have a place that they feel joined to, which means that they, they have that 
friendship that they yearn for and have a space they know they can come to. In some cases, that's something which is a regular part of homeless people's lives. In other cases, it's a place which is a tenuous connection for them, which gives them friendship for a period of time. But what it allows them to do is create community. And so having the base of saying, well, initially we'll provide accommodation and support. Secondly, we'll help people in the housing. And thirdly, we'll provide ongoing support from a connection and community point of view. Allows us to build that whole of person response. It also means that a relationship is built between the wider network of St Vincent's and the individual, which means when they go back into care again at our hospitals, uh, they're known and they've got a friend uh, who can come and talk to them. Building that network of relationship is key and we're starting to build on that further and further. And beyond that, then we need to look at, in some cases, how do we help people once uh, they've dealt with the presenting health issue and life is getting back on track? with moving towards employment? How do we help them with reconnecting with family? How do we help them reconnect with the life that perhaps they knew before? Those are things we need to take into account. They're not simple, isolated interventions. They're interventions that need to be connected. St Vincent's is trying its best. I think we've got a long way to go to really uh, uh, be able to say we're doing this brilliantly. But in partnership with others in the homelessness space, others in the housing space, others in the health space, I hope incrementally we can create an environment where we have a much better response than maybe homeless people have seen in the past. Brilliant. Thank you, Toby. That's a comprehensive answer again, and I look forward to seeing that develop. Um, just we're coming towards the end of our time together, um, and obviously in light of the COVID-19 situation, um, I, I just wanted to ask your thoughts on a few things. First of all, we, the Victorian government being one of the state governments that's made a recent announcement around addressing specifically the needs of homeless people during this um, quite difficult time. Um, it, it, I suppose that there's some of the practical recommendations we've been talking about social distancing and you know, even how we're having this, this podcast being recorded, we're in separate locations. That doesn't suit people who are already um, quite socially isolated already. I just wondered about your thoughts about how we can ensure those that are living on the street, those in refuges, transitional emerging and housing, how can we better respond to them, particularly during this epidemic time? I, I think for a lot, I guess in this environment, a lot of those people understand the health system well and we can support them, I think, and continue to deliver what we've delivered, but particularly put in place more housing support at this time is going to be vital. Yeah. Um, I'm probably personally at the moment most concerned about groups of people who will be new to homelessness driven by economic necessity, which is something which we, we haven't seen as much in Australia for a long period of time. And that, those people's ability to respond to what will be quite a frightening new world is, is something that I think we are really going to have to step up and uh, and get engaged with very, very quickly. And the, the establishment of fast track access to housing for people who've lost homes is going to be vital. The mental health support and the need to help people and assist them through trauma is going to be vital. And uh, for me, I think the most daunting thought is um, returning to uh, the days of the early 90s uh, where I lived in London and 
and literally walking down streets mm. of London, which were lined with homeless people. Mm. And, and I hope that our governments can be sensible enough to respond uh, with suitable funding to keep people in housing. I hope that our landlords can be generous enough to look after people rather than evict them onto the streets. I hope that our hospitals will provide spaces of welcome and, and warmth and understand the terrible crisis that will happen to many people. And for us, we will we'll need to respond to that and work with people in that space. And I think uh, we'll continue to work with the traditional groups that have been homeless. So I think we'll be largely in a different position from those who are forced into homelessness through purely economic uh, circumstances. Uh, and so we'll need to look at two different models of response there. And it's something that I've already started talking to some of my colleagues in the NGO sector about how do we start to respond now and think about what is going to be needed to respond to what is going to be an economic crisis in the next few months in Australia, which will go beyond just homelessness. Wow. Yes, that's, thanks, Toby. I, I hadn't really considered that emerging group of homeless coming through because of economic hardship. But if we're looking at 10 or 20% unemployment, um, which my family's had, you know, just a very early experience of that, just losing jobs straight away, it's going to be big, a big pressure on the system. Just a final question for us to finish on. Was, was there any any um, story or encounter that you'd like to share with us to finish that inspires you and, and, and drives you in your work in this space? Yeah, I, um, I, I, I've got a picture in my bedroom in, in, uh, at home, which is quite a big picture, which was drawn by a lovely homeless guy called Chris. And Chris called me very excited to say he'd done a portrait of me and he'd put it into the, uh, he'd actually put it into the Archibald Award, uh, Awards. He didn't actually win. Uh, Did you win? Uh, oh, you didn't win. He didn't win, unfortunately. Uh, oh. It was a great picture and a beautiful subject, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, he didn't actually win. But I I love to look at that picture of Chris and I've travelled with Chris for several years and seen the ups and downs of his life where he's been well and housed and part of community. And I've also seen Chris where life is at its lowest ebb and, and almost couldn't get worse. And what Chris's story tells me is that for many people who are, who are homeless, our responsibility is to offer a place where they can journey with us and be unjudged on the good days and unjudged on the bad days because many people who are homeless are there because of some very complex issues in their life. And we, I think, above all, need to be people in, the, I think, our health environment who don't choose to judge why someone is homeless because we won't ever know the depth of the answer to that question. But we can choose to accept and love them when they're going through their best times. And also what is maybe hardest is to actually still love them when they're going through their hardest times, when they're abusive to us individually, when they're disrespectful to us individually, we don't have to respond in the same manner. And having that uh, understanding, I think is vital for us because there will be days when we work with homeless people where it is very, very challenging. And there'll be other days where it's very joyful, but we're called to do both and we need to be prepared to do both. We can't just be prepared to run in to be there for the fun times and the glory days when people get housing. We need to be there day in, day out 
with the highs and lows and uh, it is a journey which in many cases may last for a lifetime of engagement for us. Toby, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks so much, John. Great to talk. To subscribe to a printed copy of Parity Magazine, visit chp.org.au forward slash parity. This podcast series has been developed by St Vincent's Health Australia. For more information about St Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music track for this podcast is called Slow Burn by Kevin MacLeod, host of incompetech.filmmusic.io and is licensed under the Creative Commons 4.0 by Attributions Licence. This information, information about our guests and more can be found in the text under the podcast description. Thanks for listening.